Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a... Uh, Tuesday and um, <laughs> another busy Tuesday it is uh, Derek Carr uh, reaching out uh, with a text message statement uh, just before we got on air um, you know indicating that he had talked privately with uh, Carl Nassib to express his support and love uh, for Carl Nassib uh, and then you know making a statement that hey you know we talk all the time about the love that's in that Raider locker room um, and, and that's true and um uh, that's going to remain the case. Uh, they want to win a championship. They want Carl to be a big part of it. Um, Derek, uh, obviously, uh, giving his support uh, to Carl Nassib. And I think we move on, you know, from here. And I think that's the great thing about, um, you know, what we've seen in the aftermath uh, of Carl Nassib's announcement, whether it's his jersey now being the number one, uh, the top-selling jersey in the NFL, according to Fanatics. Um, the fact that the NFL has matched his contribution to the great organization uh, that that uh, that Carl is devoting $100,000 to. Uh, there's a lot of all the support that he's getting from across the country, the sports world, uh, his colleagues uh, in the NFL, teammates, coaches, uh, the owner, Mark Davis, the team president, Mark Bidane. Uh, it's been a, a, a great reaction um you know for for carl nassib and it certainly lessens any of the anxiety that he had um leading up to this and like he said it was 15 years um that he was dealing with this and how to say it whether to say it uh do do you do you you know and and because he's afraid of he was just like everyone else uh has been in that situation kind of afraid of what the uh, reaction was going to be and what it turned out to be was love and uh and i think that that's you know such a good um message um and and hopefully it's going to help people you know that are in a similar uh situation uh that they're going to be able to understand like hey there's love on the other side uh, of this it doesn't have to be um i don't have to suppress things um because i'm worried about what that reaction is going to be so uh, i think that's a a beautiful thing and i think that that's my main takeaway uh so far and i think that's an awesome uh, awesome situation uh we're gonna go out to the raider nation guest line to welcome in our good friend uh les kekahuna um from embajador tequila my good friend uh and he is one of the um you know, uh, creative masterminds behind uh, Embajador Tequila. Uh, he's a huge, huge, huge sports fan, a huge football fan, uh, a former coach, um, has helped a bunch of uh, guys that you see in the NFL get to where they've gotten, and there's a whole bunch of other guys uh, coming right behind uh, behind them uh, that Les is, is helping out, and that includes uh, the Polynesian uh, community, the Polynesian uh, Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, uh, that Les is a big part of. Uh, helped start that, helped that get to to where it is right now. Uh, Les, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Vinny. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. You got it. You got it. Absolutely. Uh, and before uh, we go any further, just a reminder, um, over at Michael T's on Friday nights, 
Uh, it is Aloha Fridays from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, all the great food that you can eat, and Michael T's does it up uh, with the steaks and the burgers and everything else. Uh, great music uh, that, that you're going to be able to hear uh, uh, from 9, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. It's live Hawaiian music. Uh, then from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. it's karaoke uh, with a Hawaiian DJ. I'm sure Les will get out there and sing a few tunes uh, for <laughs> us. And of course, of course. Uh, all the embajador tequila uh, that you could drink, and there's some creative, creative drinks uh, that, uh, that 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 they serve uh, at, at Michael T's, and uh, they got you hooked up on that end of it as well. Uh, Les, it's been a pretty big day uh, in the in or pretty big last 24 hours, I should say, uh, in, mm-hmm. in in the sports world, and um, I think the love that's being expressed and the support that's being expressed uh, for for Carl Nassib. Uh, has been really encouraging, and and honestly, less. And I and I think that you echo these statements. Everybody has a right to live their life free and to live the life uh, that that uh, that they were blessed with, without fear of you know being judged or um, you know retribution or anything like that. What's your what's your takeaway um, uh, over these last couple you know t- couple of days uh, after the announcement that Carl Dassa made? No, I. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. You know, he has a lot of courage to come forward and and say what he has said, and and I, I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, I I have family and friends, you know, that live the same lifestyle that he does, and I love them no different than I love my my entire family. You know, so I give him a lot of credit for that, man. I do, and you know, you never know. Maybe there's some other people that now he's for what he's done that they can come forward now and also maybe you know share with everyone how they feel about their lifestyles and stuff so man i I, you know i i give him a lot of credit he has a lot of courage and i think and i'm hopefully that hopefully this is the case is that uh it it won't be too much longer where it doesn't matter and no statements like this have to be made no announcements like this have to be paid uh or or said and you know it goes back to um you know one of my favorite artists uh, of all time barb marley um you know wrote you know uh we need to get to a point where the color of a man's skin is no uh, more significant than the color of his eyes. And I think that goes toward everything. Um, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're living a good life and being kind and nice to people, it doesn't matter. All Everything else uh, shouldn't matter. And, uh, and hopefully we're going to get to a point where this is not big news and nobody has to come out and say anything because nobody cares at the end of the day. Uh, but I do want to ask you this, uh, Les, you've been around sports uh, for your whole life, basically, uh, you've been in coaching situations. You've been in team situations. Um, it's 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 my belief, less that this is not going to be a factor with the way Raiders whatsoever in their locker room. I think that there's a focus, whether it's an individual focus to get better and to do your job and to be responsible and accountable uh, and productive as an individual, and then also the collective goal of winning football games and winning championships. I think that in a in a team setting supersedes uh, everything else. I think that is going to be the focus. I don't think this is going to matter much in the Raider locker room. What do you think? No, I don't think so at all. I'm, you know, I've, I've coached uh, players, you know, and um, with the similar situation that he's in, you know, and actually there were like four actually at one time on the team that I coached, and they were great, man. They were great. You know, they were one was the captain of the team. Um, they did really well. They were they were respectful to everyone, and everyone got along with them. There was no there was no um, 
you know, bad feelings towards the, the other players or the other players towards them and the coaches. And, and we did well. We won, we won a championship. So, you know, everyone was there to do a job, and, and they did their job to the highest level. And that's, that's really all you can ever ask from them. And they do all the right things, right? Like, he's doing all the right things. He, he has a great job. He's not, a, he's not disrupting the team. He's doing his job at the best he can. Um, he's probably a great friend. I don't know him personally, but I'm sure he is. He seems that way, and his parents love him, and his family loves him, and so he should be, you know, he, he, he sounds like a great guy, man. You know, you know and, and yeah. isn't sports beautiful in that way that ultimately it comes down to can you get the job done? And and that's that's really how you're judged uh, in, in, in sports. Um can you be counted on? Uh, can I trust you to do your job while I do mine? Uh, and, and can you be an asset to this team? And we've show, it's shown throughout history that after certain barriers have been broken, Jackie Robinson with the color line in, in, in baseball, it ultimately comes down to can you help us win games? And that's really what people are, are judged on, right? Right. Exactly. It, it's just... You're here to do your job, and um, you know, and be a great teammate, and be a great person. Is a good person, and and that's really all it's about, right? You know, like what you know, he he he's doing what makes him happy, and everyone should just be happy for him that he's he's happy. You get you get what I'm saying? So, yep, absolutely. Know, yep, absolutely. No, yeah. Sorry, We're talking to Les Kekahuna from uh, Embajador Tequila, and uh, they always have some great things uh, on the horizon and in the works, uh, and we appreciate them uh, for that. Uh, Les, we had talked, mm-hmm. uh, you and I, about um, Damon Arnett, the Raiders' second-year cornerback. You know, I know in talking to you, um, you've had some high hopes for him. Um, you've looked at the tape, you've watched him play, going back to Ohio State. There's talent there, Les, and it's it's unquestioned talent. The kid can play football. For whatever reason, it, it, it hasn't, you know, um, translated yet to the NFL, and it sure seems like the Raiders are sending him some messages uh, that he's got to fight for his job, and he's got to step it up a, a, a little bit. You know, in your experiences, that could—I I would imagine—that can go both ways. Either you respond and step it up, or you don't like that message and you go in the other direction. Um, any gut feeling on how this might work out for Damon Arnett? You know, I—I I mean, I'm sure he, he should be okay because um, you know, obviously, he's come from a big program like Ohio State, right? So he's been—he's been at a big program and. Now with the NFL, and and not to um, make excuses for him, but you know last season they had no preseason games. You know it was tough because of COVID. So um, you know he was kind of learning as they went along, and then he suffered, I believe, like two injuries. He had a you know broken hand at one point, and I think he suffered from what a concussion. Yep. And yep. and so you know like those, those are the kind of things that that really hurt hurt your progression you know, as a player and. You know, and then they change the defensive coordinator in the middle of the year, and then now they bring on a new defensive coordinator. And I don't think, you know, it's definitely not his physical ability. He's in the NFL, and those guys are less than one percenters. So it's not his physical ability. I think it's more mental. And, you know, with the new, with um, Ron Miles coming in as a defensive back coach and Casey Hayward being brought in, and, you know, like, um, he's more familiar because I, I believe he played with Ron Miles and Gus for about five, six years. So he's familiar with that um, scheme. And so, um, you know, maybe in, uh, you know, Arnett's, you know, to his somewhat defense, you know, he's kind of like he's learning a new system. So 
it may hurt him. And then maybe he sees that, you know, then, you know, obviously he was brought in by his former coach. So, you know, he might think like, oh, wow, you know, it's kind of tough for me to compete, you know, with, with this guy who's more familiar with the defensive scheme, he's familiar with the defensive back coaches, um, you know, how, how he, how he puts his schemes together. So, I, I mean, it, it, I think it's more mental and I think, I think he should be okay because he has this off season, you know, now to, to learn and, and, and get going and, and get, and now he, he has a healthy season, you know, he's healthy now, you know, so now I, I believe he should be okay. I, I hope so at least, you know. He was drafted what number nineteen in the first round, so yep. you know he, yep. he definitely has that kind of ability. I, I believe in him, and you know, and I and I hope he he you know everything works out for him. I got a quick question for you. Um, there was a uh, he he played some slot cornerback, uh, uh, you know, in college at Ohio State. You know, when I when I touched in with some Raider people, trying to figure out, well, hey, maybe he can move to the slot. Uh, and, and much like Casey Hayward did er, earlier in his career, play the slot and then eventually move back outside uh, and become a good player at that position. Casey Hayward did it in the slot, then he went outside. But there was a little bit of skepticism that I got from Raider people about um, their belief that, that Damon Arnett could pull that position switch off right now. You're a defensive guy, and folks, when I say that uh, Les knows his defense, he knows his defense. Can you Can you shed any light on... Why is that such a difficult um, transition for some players going from that outside cornerback spot to the slot cornerback spot? Well, from what I, it's just my belief. It's, 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 it's tough when you play inside because the receiver has either way to go, I guess. You know, you could say, like, as a cornerback, you can kind of squeeze into the sideline. You can use some of your non-moving brackets and whatnot. Um, I, I think it's really tough to play inside, you know, but because of them having the option of going in, out, you know, up the field and, and whatnot. So it's a tough position to play, but yeah, I could see, I could see him possibly moving in there because the way the league has been now with all the spread offense and these five wide empty packages, you, you can never have enough defensive backs, right? You know, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you can never have enough. And then there's all there's also a little bit more run run responsibility I would imagine right. uh, on that on that yeah. inside right absolutely absolutely you're gonna have some run responsibility from being you know tight to the tight to the core I guess you know you could say more well we'll see and um, you know I, I I think that I'm with you Les I think that I think he's being pushed. And I think he's going to respond. And if so, um, I think it'll be uh, it, it'll be fine for him. It might not happen overnight, and maybe he does have to sit a little bit and learn uh, behind a Casey Hayward, which is not a bad option to have. Casey Hayward is an established cornerback who's been there, done that, and I think is going to be a real asset for the Raiders. Um, and and but the book doesn't have to be written on Damon Arnett right now. And there's going to be plenty of times, even in a reserve role, if that's what happens. You just said it. There's so many empties, you know, five five receivers out there, five, uh, you know, uh, options to throw to that I would imagine that he's going to see the field one way or another, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, um, it, it's and competition is good. You know what I mean? Like you need competition. It keeps you sharp, you know. And, and so it's good to have Casey there pushing him, you know, teaching him some veteran stuff. And, and I, I believe he's like a two-time second team all pro as well so i mean she's the guy can play right you know so you know you got someone like that he can learn from and i hope he looks at it that way that, that you know as someone that he can learn from and, and then compete and push him you know it's the only way it's the only way you can get better
you know. Absolutely. Not, All right, yeah. Les. Uh, so um, I, I mentioned Aloha Fridays. Is there anything uh, else going on around town that you guys are, uh, are 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 a part of? And if you can let people know um, where they can go, whether it's uh, any restaurants uh, or, or clubs around town or bars around town uh, to get their embajador tequila. So there's a, a new restaurant that just opened. It's called uh, Casa Amigos, but it was also formerly called Casa Mariscos. And there's a, a banda playing this Friday. If everyone's, you know, not, not busy doing something, they're more than welcome to come down. Uh, there's going to be a, a group called Los Caretes. And they're a very famous group. And the address is 3740 East Flamingo Road. 3740 East Flamingo Road. Um, zip code eight nine one two one. Right here in Las Vegas, so it'll be great music. They have tequila there, embajador, uh, great food, great host, great owner. He's a huge Raider fan. The owner is a huge Raider fan, <laughs> so it works out perfect. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for him, and hope to see some of uh, the Raider fans there having a good time. Absolutely, uh, we're gonna make that happen. Uh, Les, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Uh, this is gonna be a regular thing, uh, and and Les is gonna uh, shed uh, insight not just on football, which he is uh, as good as it gets in that regard, uh, but then also keeping us informed uh, on on uh, all the events that Nevada Tequila is a part of, and they do some really really great great things for the community. And uh, I'm happy uh, and honored to be a part of their family, uh, and we're gonna keep hearing about uh, things that they're doing uh, down the road. So, Les, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, have a good uh, rest of your Tuesday, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, my brother. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vinny. You have a great day, and uh, I really appreciate all the support. Uh, have a great day. Talk to you soon. You too, man. You too. That's Les Kagahuna from uh, Embajador Tequila. And uh, you, you guys got to, if you ever get a chance, and they do a lot of the uh, Polynesian um, camps, uh, whether it's in Las Vegas, there's some things that they do in California too. Uh, the Hall of Fame, um, you know, uh, uh, event that they put together every year. It's just so inspiring. Uh, and how that community, uh, the impact that that community has, has had on football, and it just continues to grow. Uh, it's really, really a special thing. Uh, and we appreciate uh, all of his support and all of his insight. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Gangster Raiders on the line wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Gangster Raider? I'm all right. You how you doing? Doing good, man. All right. I just want to talk about Carl Nassib, and I don't care, you know, what you are, as long as you can play football and do your thing. Because you know, growing up, I used to be a Bulls fan, and at first, I used to like Dennis Rodman when he was a Piston. But when he came over to the Bulls, and he started doing, you know. You know, his flamboyant stuff or whatever. It didn't bother me as long as he came and grabbed them rebounds and played defense. You know, so long as you do your job and get it done on the field, that's all that matter. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm in Phoenix now because I'm a Clipper fan for this Clipper game. And I want to talk about um, Derek Carr because to me, Derek Carr is more like Paul George. He needs to be more like Kawhi Leonard. And what I mean is, Paul George, he got a bunch of social media. 
and he follows what people say. He really cares about people who think about him. He got a bunch of accomplishments, or should I say, he got a bunch of statistics where he doesn't have the necessary accomplishments to go along with those statistics. When on the other hand, Kawhi doesn't have any social media. He doesn't really care about what people say. He's a two-time um, Finals MVP, and um, he's a true leader of his team. And so I got another Clipper fan who also is a Raider fan. We was talking about this the other day. But we wish Derrick Carr would be more like Kawhi Leonard and less Paul George. You understand what I'm saying? And yeah, but I mean, more, hey, look, yeah, let me, let me just stop you right there. I mean, go look at the San Antonio team that Kawhi Leonard was on. I mean, there's <laughs> Derrick Carr has not been on a team uh, that had the kind of talent that those San Antonio Spurs teams had, nor, for that matter, even in Toronto, the team that you know Kawhi Leonard had uh, in, in in Toronto was was a darn good team, um, and they won a championship. Uh, you know, um, in a year where, let's face it, Steph Curry who uh, or uh, Kevin Durant went out in that series, uh, Clay Thompson went out in that series, so uh, he's he's you know Kawhi point even more. Because Kawhi played with those great players, but he ended up being the finals and the MVP, even with Tim Duncan on the floor, even with Tony Clark on the floor, even with Ginobili. He ended up being MVP. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I can, I can, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's no question that Kawhi Leonard is a great player. I'm not with it with the with the whole, um, you know, uh, dial it down during the regular season. I get why he does it, uh, but to me, I want my champions being the last man standing. I want you to be the test of the whole season. Like, I need you to play every single game. I don't need you to be taking games off just so you can be strong at the end of the season. I don't believe in it. I think there's a way to match. Right, there's way. Derek, Derek played almost every game in 2016, but missed, missed the playoffs. So, what? What if he if he, if he, he should have been in that game. I was at that game when he got injured at the coast. He should have even been in the game. We was up by, I think, 18 at the point at that time, late in the third quarter, he shouldn't even been in the game. First yeah, but, ball, but you but can't. You, yeah, every, you can't. In in the M, it's 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 different in in football compared to compared to the to, to the NBA. And they 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 you know they uh, now you could blame yeah you could definitely blame the coach you, you see, for that. But I mean, my man, my man Kawhi literally my man Kawhi literally you sits keep moving the goalposts on me, Vinny. How am I moving the goalposts on you? You trying to say it's different? You know, so if you're the one that brought up the comparison. With the, now I'm trying to show you that Derek Carr got injured, played every game the 2016 season, but he got injured in uh, what the 16th week and didn't play the playoffs. You know, say so injuries is injuries. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. You keep moving. Yeah, but I mean, Kawhi doesn't sit out because. Kawhi doesn't sit out because of injuries. He sits out because they want to try to manage. They want to try to trick the system. Is he what has a doing. knee injury. He, he, he's been having a knee injury for years that he's managing. That's why he every sits out every player that I've ever talked to is managing. Remember, remember, remember when that um, that guy from Golden State stepped under him? He's been having knee problems since then. But every player that I've ever uh, uh, gangster writer. I used to work for the Lakers. I've covered. I covered the Lakers for many, many years. The NBA for many years. Every player that I've ever talked to is dealing with something. Uh, trust me. There's nobody that's close to a hundred percent or completely healthy. Kobe Bryant played with every ailment that you could possibly play with and never missed games on purpose. So I just don't respect it. To be honest I, with you, I, I, I think Kawhi is a great I, player. But I don't. I don't respect the approach that they take with him, with the kids, kids' gloves uh, during the during the regular season. That's just that's just my two cents. And um, the whole you know, point, though, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I wish Derek Carr was more 
of a solid leader, didn't listen to the outside hype, didn't have social media, didn't care what they said on first take or on Skip and Bayless, I mean, on Shannon and Skip, that he just put his nose down and focused on the grind more like Kawhi instead of Paul. I, 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 hear, you. I hear you with that. I hear you, you with know, that. Not, you're missing that point, and you're trying to gloss over it. Well, anyway, are, you say, are you saying that Derek Carr's the reason the Raiders haven't been winning? These uh, are, are you saying that it was Derek Carr's fault that they didn't win last year? More games? It's John Gruden, but, but I said mostly it's Gruden, but he's a part of it too. You know, it's I the def- it was the, it was the defense. It was the defense more than anything else. That's 90, 99% Gruden, Gruden, was the defense. They all have to take not blame. the quarterback. It was it was just the defense. Uh, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Dijon wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Dijon? Hey man, how you doing, man? I just wanted to say uh, first of all, I think Derek Carr is uh, is a damn good quarterback, and uh, yeah. I think we can win with him. I think we can get to the to the bowl with him. He keeps improving every year. His stats improve every year. It's not Derek Carr. I'm a Derek Carr defender. To all my friends, every time anybody want to bring it up, but um, how do you, I want to know? How do you think the target between Aguilar will be split between Rugs, John Brown, and everybody? You got Moreau there now. You got um, you know Drake in the backfield now. Do you think he'll split those 80 plus targets up between those? Do you think somebody will get one? I mean, you know, more targets than the other? Or do you think that he will actually have more targets to some more people or they will throw more this year? I just want to know your opinion. All right, let me. Um, I'm going to go to the LA Rams in 2018. They were 13 and 3, right? Um, and I, I just want to show you uh, like some target distributions. Um, Todd Gurley had 254 carries. Uh, he had to sit out the last two games because he got hurt uh, that year, right? Uh, receiving. Um, Todd Gurley had. 81 targets in the pass game. 81 in the pass game. Todd Gurley did. Robert Woods had 130. Brandon Cooks had 117. Cooper Cup in eight games had 55. It would have been um, it would have been uh, over 100 had he played that full season because Josh Reynolds comes in and he gets 53 um, you know targets in uh, in his eight starts. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying is if I look at the Raider the Rams in 2018 um, and and uh, you had a bunch of guys producing, and it was just one football, but they managed to get Todd Gurley 81 targets in the receiving game plus 256 carries in the run game. They managed to give to get you know Robert Woods 130 targets. They managed to get Brandon Cooks 117 ca- targets. Uh, they managed mm-hmm. to get between Cooper Cup, Gerald Everett, and Josh Reynolds uh, 158 targets between those three players um so there's a there's a way that they're going to be able to do it i think you have to get henry ruggs 80 targets this year period exclamation if if not more i think i think you're going to get you know your 100 or so targets to darren waller uh i think that you can look at those numbers that i just that i just uh, showed you i think josh i think i think between josh jacobs and uh kenyon drake uh, I think that each of those guys combined, you know, could get to that 81 target that Todd Gurley had in the past game. Right. Uh, let alone, let alone the run. So there, you know, what I'm saying, like it can happen. There's, there's, there's mm-hmm. a way, and I've seen it with my own two eyes how Sean McVay and Jared Goff were able to distribute the ball amongst some really, really good players. Uh, how, how do you think it's going to play out? 
Um, I, to be honest, Mr. Lee, I, I like Brian Edwards. I really do. I yep. think he can be what we need him to be. As, you know, we're just not like a superstar gay. I'm not a superstar person. If everybody does their role, I feel like everybody can get the job done. You know, um, I hope hit Brian Edwards does what he has to do. But I want, if you have a Tyreek Hill type of player, then I feel like you really do have to get him the type of ball, you know. He's going to be open, whether it's from, you know, um, a screen, uh, tosses, or even decoys. I feel like he has to get those 80-something targets, just like you said, man. I just be trying to defend my, my players to my friends. It's like he had it, but that defense really, really, really has to step up. I feel like we can have a top-10 offense, and I feel like we're going to have a top-10 offense again, but... I feel like our defense, in order for us to make the playoffs the way it's shaping around right now, um, it's not really that many bad, bad teams anymore. So I say we have to at least get in the top 15 defensively. But I don't know if that will happen this year, you know. I have high hopes, but I, it's like, ah, we got to get that defense to match at least a little bit with that offense, you know. I agree, and I really appreciate the call. Uh, and as and as I look at those Rams dis- distributions, I could see Brian Edwards getting sixty-seven targets. Um, I can see uh, Henry Ruggs getting eighty and above targets. I could see, obviously, um, uh, Darren Waller getting a uh, hundred or so targets. I could see, um, you know, between Hunter Renfro, Willie Sneed, and um, and and John Brown combined uh, well over you know 140 or so targets. It's I, I'm I'm looking literally uh, at the Rams target distributions in the past game from 2018 and look. 81 to Todd Gurley, 130 to Robert Woods, 117 to Brandon Cooks, 55 to Cooper Cup, who got hurt that year. He only played eight games. He was on pace for 110, 50 for Gerald Everett, uh, the tight end, um, and 53 for Josh Reynolds, who replaced Cooper Cup. So so there you go. There's no way um, that when you look at the Raiders that they can't get a bunch of guys into that 80 to 100 uh, category, and then right below them, uh, that 55 to 65, 70 uh, uh, um, uh, realm. And if you do, then I think that this offense, you know, obviously guys like Brian Edwards and, and Henry Ruggs have to produce when the ball's in their hands. But there's no, to me, there's no excuse. I think Henry Ruggs needs to get targeted 80 some odd times uh, this season. And maybe even more because the 17 games, not 16 uh, as it was back in 2018. So can you imagine uh, the... Uh, um, the production that he can put up or the, or the, um, you know, the effect that he can have on the Raiders offense with the ball in his hands, you know, um, or getting targeted 80, 80, 90 times. I mean, come on. That's, that means that he's going to be probably catching 60 to 70 balls, um, you know, uh, and, and then doing something with it. And I think he needs to be featured in the run game too. Not a lot, uh, but I think he needs to get more than the nine carries that he got last year. I think, I think you, you get, 20, 25 uh, touches in, in the run game. How many runs? Robert Woods had 19 attempts in the run game. Brandon Cooks had 10 attempts uh, in, in the run game. So uh, those are two guys that wide receivers that the Rams made it a point to get the ball. That's one a game. To, you know, more than one a game for both of those players um, to see what you could get. And I, I just remember both of those players coming up with some big plays uh, in, in that run game. So... Um, there's, I know it's just one ball, but there's 17 games in a season, and there's a lot of snaps during the course of a game. Uh, there's no reason uh, that you can't spread that ball around uh, more than, than than what they've uh, uh, done in, in the past. And uh, I think that, 
you know, for the for the Raiders' perspective, I think I, John Gruden is just you know kind of like a kid in a candy store right now. He's looking at Josh Jacobs. He's looking at Kenyon Drake. He's looking at an improved um, uh, Henry Ruggs. He's looking at you know what I think they think is an improved Brian Edwards. Foster Moreau uh, is going to be a, uh, a a big part of things. When I look at that Rams tight end group. Uh, in in two, 2018, Gerald Edward ha, uh, had 50 targets and Tyler Higby had 34. So, um, you know, I, I think that somebody like and that's you know, I, I think that I think when you look at it from the Rams perspective or the Raiders perspective, you're going to get 120 or 20 to 30 uh, touches for for um, uh, Darren Waller, but that doesn't mean that um, Foster Moreau can't have 40 to 50. Um, targets himself and i think he's gonna if that is the case he's gonna put up some nice numbers too so there's a lot to like about this offense there's a lot of possibilities with this offense there's a lot of versatilities a versatility with this offense and knowing uh you know knowing knowing john gruden i know that he's just champing at the bet uh, to put it all out there we were we did get a glimpse of things uh, in 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 mini camp of, of what uh, might be up his sleeve, uh, but I can't wait for training camp to see uh, what it looks like uh, in, in in that setting. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 9:20 a.m. Now back to your host Vinny Bonsignor. Trying to find uh, what LeBron's numbers were when the MVP Kawhi Leonard uh, was was defending him. Yeah, twenty five point three points, eleven rebounds, seven assists um, against Kawhi, who was I, I don't know. I, I like Kawhi Leonard. I think he's a, I think he's a, a great player. I think he was on a really good team in San Antonio and had a lot of help. And I think he had a ton of help uh, in Toronto. In fact, if What's you up go with watch, you old guys not wanting players to have help. Obviously, that's my whole point about Derek Carr. That's why I can't understand what the heck Gangster Raider was saying. I, I'm. What do you mean, me? I, I watched the great Laker teams and Celtic teams who were loaded. None of those guys were winning it by themselves. I never subscribed to that. LeBron James has never won by himself. Michael Jordan never won by himself. This whole notion that guys can win by themselves is is uh, uh, incredibly ignorant. And everybody has had help, including the great Michael Jordan. He lost. He didn't make the finals the first seven years of his career because other teams were better. Other teams had better players. He needed help. He needed Scottie Pippen to grow into Scottie Pippen. He needed, um, you know, Horace Grant. He needed uh, the, the the help that he ended up getting. That's my point. Like, I don't get where he said you need to be more like Kawhi Leonard. Why? Kawhi Leonard has been the has gotten a lot of help uh, over the years, and and that's great. And you need that. Look at Steph Curry. He can't win championships when Clay uh, Thompson is is sidelined. Uh, um, it, it, you have to have your teammates. The point I've always made about Derek Carr is he's never had a great supporting cast. And last year was the best supporting cast, I think, that he's had collectively, uh, offensively in a long time. And you saw what he was able to do. Where he wasn't, the supporting cast that he didn't have, just like in the NBA where you have to play both sides of the field, um, at some point you got to play defense. The defense just wasn't up to par. So if you put, if you put, you know, uh, like 
Kawhi Leonard on last year's Raiders team, if as good as Kawhi Leonard is, he's not winning a championship because it was a flawed team, and the team that Derek, Carr, the teams that Derek Carr has played on have been flawed teams. Can he win a Super Bowl uh, with a, uh, a a great supporting cast? I don't know the answer to that necessarily. We'll see, but he's never been given that opportunity, and to to say that you want him to be more like Kawhi Leonard. You know what? If I'm Raider Nation, what I'd rather see, I'd rather see the Raiders put the kind of talent around Derek that the San Antonio Spurs had alongside Kawhi Leonard when he was, you know, at that point in his career, kind of the third option or so. Uh, and then in Toronto, the kind of talent that he had in Toronto. Um, that's what I, that's what I think is more important. It doesn't, Derek Carr doesn't need to be more like Kawhi Leonard. The team's, around him need to be more like the teams around Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, his uh, comparison was really off. I don't know where he, like, I don't know if it was like a social media thing, but Derek Carr really doesn't use social media that yeah, much, neither does yeah. Kawhi. As the only comparison, like Paul George, that I said was maybe a good stats, bad team guy, but then bad team, you know, obviously falls on the team, not the guy who's putting up good stats. But there is no, there's there really is no apples to apples. It's not even apples to oranges trying to compare Derek Carr to Kawhi Leonard. That's and that's what I was saying. And I do have a lot of. Uh, I I honestly do have a lot of respect for Kawhi. I don't. I understand why uh, they do the load management thing. Uh, it's not necessarily my cup of tea because I've seen too many guys over the course of the years take it seriously in terms of being part of winning a championship. To me, is being that last person standing throughout a uh, from from pole to pole. You know, from start to finish, and you don't. You, you don't take breaks like when you're in a um, in a in a in a uh, marathon or something like that. You can't go sit on the sidelines for you know take periodic breaks uh, and then just start back where you were when you left off. It doesn't work that way, and and I, I think it's a little bit of a gaming of of the uh, system. And to take it even a step further, man, there's so many people who pay a lot of money uh, to go watch these guys play. And, you know, LeBron talks about it a lot of times about how when he goes on the road and he's playing in, you know, Indiana, there might be a kid that drove with his dad all the way from Louisville, Kentucky or Cincinnati, Ohio, which is, you know, within a few hours drive. And I guarantee you this happens um, specifically to go see LeBron James. And he feels like above all else, he owes it to those to those fans to show up and play. And um, and I think that's admirable, and I, that's that has always sort of been the mindset. Uh, in the past, you talk to to all the great players, and for many of the current players, you know they feel like, hey, um, you know, I get who who was it just recently that was talking about that? Like, man, I get paid to play. That's what I do. That's my job is to to play. I, I'm going to find that uh, quote uh, in, in a little bit. And the whole notion of not playing for him was like, no, I'm, this is what I do. I get paid to play. And, um, but isn't and, there like an, also an obligation to your body and taking care of your body as a player? <laughs> this, yeah, yes, yes, you do. But, but, um, but you do that to me. Uh, there's ways to do both manage the minutes, you know, uh, don't, you don't have to pay 48 minutes every night. There's ways to pay 36, 28, 33 minutes, uh, per night. But I, I think when you're in a, I get, listen, I get why he's doing it. He's trying to create the easiest path, uh, available. That's what he's trying to do. And I just would hate for everyone to be of that mindset because, um, with the prices of these tickets, 
uh, you know, and and the importance of Kawhi you know, doesn't control ticket prices. Why is it on him? Because Kawhi yeah, doesn't I, control the he, ticket he, prices. I don't, How he, is that on but, him? <laughs> It's not on him. He needs, to, but I. But, but do, you, do you get the difference between LeBron James understanding that responsibility and saying not that he he? I don't care if it's five dollars a ticket. Uh, somebody that's going to to maybe that maybe save their money. And you got to understand, like it, it does cost a lot of money to go to these games, and people do have to set aside pennies and quarters and dollar bills, and maybe you know curtail a night, a couple of nights out, just to be able to buy those tickets and make the drive uh, and pay for the parking and pay for the popcorn and stuff like that. Um, and and somebody like LeBron gets that, and and many 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 others. Kawhi doesn't necessarily. I don't think it registers with him. I don't think he necessarily cares. Uh, about that and yes because why should he if he if, if you work up your money if you save like this is no offense to fans because i'm broke myself i am a broke fan too but like oh if Kawhi tears his acl at the game you said his ah man he was thinking about resting it anyway but you know he was doing it he was doing it because little timmy in, in row b it's just like oh well thanks now the now the team that you worked so hard to see the I mean, best player just tore his acl in the game you can't I mean, watch you, you're not you gonna be that, happy you, about you, that you, now that your team's like out of playoff contention you take that chance, but it's not just when, you know, he does it all throughout the year. It's not just yes, because when he's preserving his body. And we just saw in the playoffs, I, that listen, his body's fragile. you don't have to explain to me why he does it. I disagree with it. I disagree with it. I don't think it's, I, I think it's, it's like I said, it's, it's gaming the system. It's gaming the system to your advantage. And at the same time, it's also um, shortchanging fans who work pretty hard. If you're going to do that, just do it for the home games. You know, if you're if you're going to sit out games, I think there should be a rule um, that just do it for the home games, not the road games, because the road games um, are, you know, you're 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 one of the stars of the league. There's there is a responsibility to that. Your your his pay is in part, in great part, predicated on ticket sales, TV sales, all of those things. So he is the direct beneficiary of uh, the money that's generated by those ticket, uh, you know, by, by those ticket sales and by that money sales. Remember, when you talk about salary caps and you talk about the players' union and the uh, MB and 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 the league's uh, agreement on on pay, it's always a split of everything that's made. The players get fifty percent or forty nine percent. The owners get you know fifty one or or fifty percent, depending on what the what the sport is so every all that money is that's generated is what goes into the players pockets and um you know i i know the younger generation just doesn't quite get hey that responsibility of you know inspiring the next group uh that that's coming and, and understanding that responsibility of hey you know what uh i'm here in chicago uh there could be people you know coming in from iowa just to see me play me lebron james that's why people go to games to see some of these stars heck for years the clippers were so bad that their whole marketing system was to say hey come see larry bird and dr j you know and michael jordan uh because they didn't have their own players uh, to really market their their whole marketing uh campaign was come to the clippers to see all these great other nba players play so um imagine and, and listen guys like michael jordan and larry bird and steph curry and uh, and, and LeBron, all um, almost everybody in the league except for Kawhi uh, adheres to that, and I just I just think that you know, um, and maybe there's a little karma. I don't, I don't know, but he hasn't been able to, you know, 
to me, the Whoa, Clippers were, little karma. Take it easy. Yeah, that's that's what, what you know. Take the Clippers it easy. Healthy, let's just, let's the say Clippers, this. Let's say this. Derrick Rose. The Clippers first three seasons, the cl- he played like basically every game. Derrick Rose first three seasons has that injury seat in like his fourth season. Now let's say Derrick Rose, if you're not like in the top ten in minutes. For the season, for like these first three seasons of your career, let's say if like you, maybe he's not playing back to backs. Let's say if he played like sixty games of career, he would have had he a more longer his prime would have been longer. Derrick Rose is going to take that. I think I think you're going to take uh, that. If he's no, like, hey, I, I, no, Bra- I don't remember think that, Brandon I, Roy. He's I don't, like, hey, I don't we, think if we can. Brandon if, Roy was no, no. I do not think for one second that Derrick Rose would take that trade off. I think in retrospect, what he, what he would, what he would would do was, I don't need to be top ten in minutes played per game every year or, or during those years. There's no way, knowing Derrick Rose, that he's going to sit out any games. He's just not going to do it because he ain't wired that way. Uh, and Brandon Roy was. His injury preceded coming into the coming into the NBA. He was I hate to use this term, but a little bit of a there was a there was a timeline. There was an expiration date uh, on, on on Brandon. Unfortunately, that guy was a really really good player. Uh, but I think he just figured I'm going to get everything that I can uh, out of this. Uh, I don't think that limiting his games would have necessarily reduced any of the risk. He was. You know uh, that knee or that that leg. There was kind of a ticking time bomb uh, aspect to it. It was going to eventually uh, uh, go. So yeah, I, I completely disagree with you on Derrick Rose. I don't think he makes that trade off whatsoever. I don't think he's. I don't think if you told him, hey, if you could go back in time and just play sixty games a year and sit out for no reason, you know, twenty twenty two of them or what is it? Yeah, twenty two of them. Would you do that? He's like, heck, get out. No of catastrophic here. No. knee. Okay, yeah, cool. He said no. He's made no. He would. He would not do it. He's. He's too much of a of a competitor. It means too much to him. I guarantee you that. Let's try to get him on the show and ask him. Guarantee he wouldn't do it. Uh, I want to say thanks to all of our uh, uh, guests today: Sam Farmer, Q Myers, uh, our good friend Les Kekahuma from uh, uh, from Embajador Tequila. Thank you to all the callers, including you, Gangster Raider. I don't know where you're going with it with that analogy, uh, but I think if you put teams around Derek, the kind of teams that you've put around uh, Kawhi Leonard around Derek Carr, he'll be fine. Uh, he has been fine. He's not the issue. It's that defense. Uh, I want to say thanks to Devon Cotton, our great uh, producer, uh, who's going to go uh, do some load management, I'm sure, uh, right now. And uh, we respect that uh, about him. But honestly, thank you for all the help uh, making it sound good and everything uh, of that nature. We'll be back at it uh, tomorrow. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Thank you.